Hello, Tisha. Hey, Jen. What are we talking about these days? Well, I know you're like <laughs> drowning in report cards. <laughs> yes, true. Drowning in report cards and education strikes here in Ontario <laughs> happening. Right? Today, actually, we're recording this. Today is Dia de los Muertos, which if you've seen Coco or Book of Life is another animated movie, you know a little bit about it. It's a day that I've always thought was kind of cool with all like the makeup and the sugar skulls and stuff. But since yes. Warren died, I've, I've been wanting to like implement some sort of something for mm -hmm. our family because I love the way it is a celebration and it's not about being sad and it's about remembering your people and unfortunately the first time it came around after warren died i was just in no position to yeah figure anything out and then we were in covid for two years and if i'm being honest living in toronto finding access to things that are uniquely mexican culturally is not easy especially if you're a mom who thinks of things like kind of last minute <laughs> I was still last minute yesterday, but a restaurant near us that I really enjoy was having their own little Dia de los Muertos. They had like special items or whatever. I was like, we're having Mexican food tomorrow and we're going to go. And they had all the colorful banners and they had some skulls and they had their own little ofrenda with Anthony Bourdain's photo on it. And I have to say, my kids were like good and they ate adult food. And I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> I feel like maybe they're like Warren was actually there with us because it was really weird. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it was, it, well, I made a big deal that it was like one of mommy's favorite restaurants and you're really lucky that I'm bringing you here. And right, right. Warren and I had brought Wyatt there when he was like two, which is kind of this magical age. They can be really difficult, but as long as you feed them, they usually will just sit and like behave fairly well Yeah, and they'll eat anything you know and then they start saying things are gross whatever so yeah. we had that like nice memory but it was kind of nice and it was it was i said to them i go you know if you can behave this way we can maybe like go to real restaurants a little bit more and then i think yeah somebody, i think then i think somebody yelled about farting and i was like well never mind <laughs> <laughs> so that was just something from today that was pretty nice for us anyway i like it and you're in birthday party planning mode. I loved those stickers you shared in our stories. <laughs> I'm in birthday planning mode. It's partly because I'm crazy and I'm a planner. Yes. Which comes from being anxious, by the way. So I like to have a plan. And I know that my older daughter's birthday always falls around report card and parent-teacher interview time. So I try to plan it early so that I'm not losing my mind closer to her birthday. Right. So yes, I am planning a slumber party and I've invited seven of her nine and 10 year old friends to sleep over. They all said yes. And they all said yes. So we're going to have, yeah, that won't be until the middle of the month, but We'll see how that goes. I'll keep you guys posted, but just um, send me all your positive vibes and like sleepy dust, sleepy dust so that they actually sleep would be great. I mean, I have some like <laughs> really gentle melatonin gummies that I give the, actually, I usually give the boys on recording nights and they taste just like candy. So 
we call it bedtime candy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they know what it is and they know they can't have them every single night. Like I'm not like sneakily drugging them, but yeah. you could sneakily drug the kids. <laughs> By the way, I'm not purporting somebody Disclaimer. actually do this. No, Disclaimer. don't actually do this. Um, we are completely <laughs> joking. Tongue in cheek. Although we if are. any of the parents of the girls coming do do such things as give their children some sort of sleep aid in the evening, share it with Tisha so that she can give it to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be awesome, actually. I think I think it'll be fun. And it's her first sleepover, which is wild to me because I always had so many sleepovers growing up. And I think it's a couple things. Partly, maybe times have changed a bit. And then also, we're just coming out of the pandemic where people were maybe a little more hesitant about having people in their homes or going into people's homes themselves. Yeah, so absolutely, it feels good and happy. So I've been actually struggling with really feeling overwhelmed lately yes I've really been feeling overwhelmed and like I'm being pulled in so many directions between extracurriculars and tutors and tutoring and report cards and dance and birthday party planning and my own birthday and Halloween and it just like everything seems to be happening at once and that's just kind of the cycle like I'm just like it's not going to be like this forever things will slow down and then they'll pick up again and that's just how it goes I think like for you, you started at like our school. Like if you listen, you know that like Tisha teaches where my kids go to school right before, like really working there literally right before the pandemic hit. I started working full time like February 20th or something. And then like three weeks later, we never went back. Exactly. And, and last <laughs> year we had a more normal year in that everything was in the, like everybody stayed in the building all year. Like there was no long yes. stretches of virtual, but there was still a lot of things that weren't really standard, um, like sports and things like tutoring and extracurriculars. And there just wasn't as much of it. And I feel oh, like yeah. this year it's like back on full force. And I can't tell like, even I'm feeling it. We had been really checked out of everything, frankly, before the pandemic, understandably. And then yeah. in like the hardcore lockdowns, I was like, whatever. Even when things would open, I'd be like, nah, it's not safe. You might've felt it wasn't safe. That was really not what it was about. It was just like, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then now my kids, and my kids never usually like to do anything anyway, quite frankly. And now they're like into stuff. And so I'm yeah. driving them to like, water polo and tutoring and one of them wants to play soccer still this winter and i'm just like oh i don't want to do all of the things on top of yeah. making sure they do their like spelling homework and all the things all the things all the things and i don't know if we talked about this already i don't know but i sometimes also feel like it being darker out earlier oh yes it it impacts me as well, where I think I start to feel like I have less time to actually do the things. Yes. I do have as much time, but like my brain, once it's dark, starts saying it's nighttime now. It's time to wind down. And I'm like, but I have three hours more work to do. My brain is just like, go to bed, wind down, go to bed. It's dark out. And like, that is natural and normal for our brains to do that. Like that's our circadian rhythm. That is yes. that also like a perimenopause thing though, I think as well. Like, don't you remember back when we recorded with being here human, they were like, these girls have to be in their twenties when we suggested a meeting that started at eight 30 at night. Yes. 
We're like, no, we just do everything after the kids go to bed. Because it's quieter. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are just moms with young kids. Like, yeah. and maybe, are you a night owl? I think I am more now. As I get older, I am much more now. I definitely would could like pop out of bed and like not do all the things, but like be good to go. Like if I wake up in the morning, I'm up. But I'm not like that anymore. Okay, I was never like that. <laughs> I've never been like that. I've never been a morning person. I'm definitely more of like feeling more productive generally, like afternoon, evening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am more productive in the morning. I do need to just suck it up and get up. Uh, but yeah, that's hard. I'm slow. And then we do this stuff into the evening, which I enjoy and I'm awake for, but that makes it hard to get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Whose episode are we releasing? We are releasing Bree's episode. Oh my gosh. I love Bree's episode. We recorded Bree's episode a while ago, but she's great. Bree is great. It's bad boyfriend month mm -hmm. and we're talking about relationships. Yep. And we have some, I guess, kind of shocking stories. D-bags. Yeah. We're getting really like, just like cis heterosexual this month. I'm realizing. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, but no, because also if you are a member on Patreon this month, you'll be able to hear from Carling and it's a two-parter because it's just a doozy of a story. So we needed to break it into two episodes. Yeah. Definitely worth a listen. I mean, I think it's worth just paying even the one month membership just so you can hear that story. So I'm going to release actually the first episode in November and the second in December as like a little bonus for those of you when we're on break. So I guess, yeah, that is the Patreon one is is less so. But yeah, Bree's Bree story is great. And we hope you listen. And again, voice notes, folks on our link in our Instagram. And I actually think I even posted a link to the voice note thing on our website, nowuppod.com. Basically, if you ever want to know anything, whether it's how to reach us, how to join Patreon, how to shop our merch, because we have merch, um, go to nowuppod.com and there's links to everything. And share those voice notes. Let us know what your red flags are. Let us know how you knew that this relationship was not the relationship for you. Yes. So enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to the Now What Pod. I'm Tisha. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Today, we are going to be talking with Bree, who is somebody that Jen knows, and she is actually a therapist from Ohio, but she has a story to share with us. Welcome, Bree. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Yes. We love when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much fun. Yeah. So I know Brie, as Tisha said, and she had alluded to in some of our conversations, part of her story that I just thought would be really interesting for our listeners, selfishly that I wanted to know more about. Frankly, I think that's where we get most of the inspiration for our guests or things that we want to know more about. So I asked her to come on the show and she said yes. So I don't know where you want to start. 
with sharing, Brie, but this time is yours and how you want to share. Yeah. I think I'll probably start from the beginning and set the stage. So I have an ex fiance and I met him when I was a junior in college through mutual friends of friends. And from the very beginning, it was kind of a whirlwind, you know, quote unquote, fairy tale romance, right? Swept me off my feet, bringing me flowers, leaving me little notes when he would stay over. You know, two weeks into the relationship, dating, whatever, he told me he was falling in love with me, which at the time I was just completely like, oh my gosh, really? And then I think it was like a couple of weeks after that, he told me he was in love with me, which looking back now is quite the red flag. But at the time I was young and naive and just thought that was the best thing ever. So we dated for quite a while. I mean, though the whole thing lasted probably eight, nine years, but at the very beginning, we dated for a while, you know, met each other's families. He came to like my family functions. I went to his and he was very much my knight in shining armor would tell me, you know, how beautiful I was, what he loved about me. I remember, I'll never forget this. There was, there was a night where I was just kind of feeling down and had low self-esteem. And he like stood me in front of a mirror and was like, do you not see what I see? Like you're beautiful, blah, 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 blah. And then we had a time period where we had broken up and then we got back together. And then from that point on, we were together for a while. And then I went to grad school for counseling and he moved to my hometown with me and we moved in together and got a condo and he had a dog that he had had. So he brought the dog with him and everything was great. And at the time he had told me, you know, you're in grad school. I want you to focus on school. I'll take care of the bills. He had what I thought was a decent paying job, kind of fluctuating income month to month, but still a decent job. And so that was it for the two and a half years I was in grad school. And don't get me wrong, throughout this time, there were different things here and there. There were definitely moments where we'd fight and we'd argue. And there would be, looking back now, I definitely see it more as like gaslighting and love bombing and that kind of thing. And just the constant, like we'd have fights and then all of a sudden I'd be like, wait, am I the crazy one? So then I graduated and it was two or three weeks after graduation. He took me to our favorite restaurant. We sat in a booth kind of in the back. We had had our meal and then he like came around to the side of the booth and got down on one knee. And I still, to this day say like, I don't really remember what he was saying. Cause I was just like, so like in awe and like surprised and like blacked out. Like I was like, yes, whatever. Yes. I don't know what you said, but yes. (laughs) And then he's like, well, let's go to the bar and have like a celebratory champagne. And we walked around the corner and both of our families were there. Oh, yes. Very sweet. You're having this really sweet, magical, wonderful. Sounds like a rom-com. Yeah. Fairy tale. (laughs) And that's where things started to go a little sideways. So I want to say a month after the engagement, he had told me he had had a quote unquote rough month at work and didn't make, you know, as much in commission that he wanted to. And he needed some money to help with the bills. He had been paying for the bills all this time. So I was like, of course, whatever, not a big deal. So I gave him a couple thousand dollars to pay some bills off. We got engaged by December. So that was January. Then we started to kind of plan the wedding. And I had always kind of wanted a destination wedding. I went down to Florida a lot as a kid and we still have family down there. And I just always kind of wanted like the beach, like barefoot on the beach kind of wedding. So him, me and my mom had flown down to check out some venues and we went and found a wedding planner and the cake guy and talked to a couple of different caterers. And then we came back up. Oh no, I'm sorry. I forgot a part. So before that happened, our lease was up. 
And he was like, well, we, my parents have a nice like summer house, like on a lake. And so he was like, well, we spend every single summer there anyway. Why don't we just move into the house for the summer and find a place in the fall to buy, find a house again, made total sense to me. I was like, yeah, absolutely. You're right. We're there all the time. So then we went on the trip to go to do the wedding planning and we came back and this was all unbeknownst to me, but apparently my ex had left his car at my parents. But when we went to the airport and my dad had moved it for one reason or another, did move some stuff around, whatever, and found a bunch of past due notices in the car. Like a lot of them. So again, I wasn't aware of this yet. And then one day I came home, we both came home from work and my parents were outside and they're like, oh, come sit with us, join us for dinner, blah, 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 blah. And it was basically like a intervention, if you will, where they confronted him. And I'm still sitting there dumbfounded, but they were just kind of like, you know, like we found these in the car. Is everything okay? Do you guys need help? Like you're living here obviously, but like, is there something else going on? And he denied all of it. No, no, no. I just got a little behind rough couple months at work. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're good. We don't need any help. Nothing at all. <laughs> and so then my parents kind of talked to me separately at one point when he wasn't around. And I was just like, I, 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 all I know is that he asked me for money in January prior to that. None, nothing, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So then he and I had, had a couple conversations about it. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you where it went. It probably was some sort of argument where he was like, you're really going to believe them over me. And you know, all that sort of fun stuff that mm-hmm. narcissists and gaslighters do. And then I started questioning things. And so then I made a phone call to our like landlord at the, you know, apartment we were in. And she proceeded to tell me that Yes, our lease had ended, but basically she had apparently told him we were not welcome to sign another lease because we were three months behind on rent. Right. So that was one. So then I started calling all of the utilities and again, several months past due. Were these utilities in your name as well as his? Somewhere. I'm trying to remember. Was the lease in your name too? The lease we we Mm co-signed. Yeah. So then... I think it was all, I think it was all the same day. I think it was all in the same day he had been at work. So after I found out about the rent and all the utilities, I started calling. We had three credit cards. I had one that he was an authorized user on. And then over time he opened two more and said that I was an authorized user on them. So I started calling those those two and I'm putting in the last four of his social and they're telling me there's no account that exists with that social. What? Yeah. So then I put in the last four of mine. They existed. He had my social. He opened up two credit cards in my name and both of them were maxed out. And he told you that you were just an authorized user. Correct. He had (gasps) said they were his in his name and I was the authorized user. Oh my gosh. Motherfucker. Yeah. At that point, (laughs) I think I'd fucking lost it. Yeah. He's at work. So your mind must just be spiraling, completely spiraling. And you're at your parents' house, like your family's lake house. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were both at, you know, the house I grew up in. Right. So no one was there. So I'm just sitting there completely spiraling and the cards are completely maxed out and I'm going back in my brain and I'm like, okay, I rarely use them. I was like, they're your cards. I'm not going to use them unless like I absolutely have to, or you tell me to go buy something with them. I'm not using your credit cards. That's just not right. So I think I bought, I got gas on one. 
And then there was another time where I tried to go and pick something up from a craft store. I think we were tie dyeing or something and it got declined. And I asked him about it and he was like, oh, it probably just froze for some reason. Like, you know, maybe wherever you were was, you know, again, completely logical explanation. I'm sure it's nothing. I'll fix it. We'll get you a new card. No big deal. So my mind's spinning with all of this and I'm racking up the grand total. I'm trying to do the math in my head. And I think... I'd have to go back and look at my notes because I still have everything. But when I went back and, and totaled it up, I think it was close to $15,000. That's not nothing. No, that he had racked up. And how old were you? 26. And in grad school? I had just graduated. I just finished grad school. So you probably don't have $15,000 just lying around? Nope. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> did not. So I think at that point I got in the car and I flew to my, you know, the other, my parents' house house in town and I'm going over everything with them. This is the part in the story where I start to regret a lot of the decisions that I made and a lot of the things that I allowed him to manipulate me into. Because the first thing my parents said was call the cops, call the cops, report fraud, call the credit card companies, report fraud. Yeah. So I did. Cops really wouldn't do anything, but the credit card companies all said, okay, I think the one... No, I take it back. The one wouldn't because that was the one that was actually in my name. I had barely used it, but he'd still racked it up. They wouldn't, so they wouldn't really do anything. The other one, I think they immediately cut him off, but they they were like, we're not really gonna do anything. And then the one that I'm still the most pissed about was the one that they, they said, yes, they cleared everything. They said, okay, we'll fight this, blah, 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 blah. And then... So I did all of that. And then my mom came with me back to the lake house. I mean, it was such a, I don't know, country music video moment where like we literally packed up all of his crap and left it on the driveway. As it should be. Mm -hmm. Packed it all up, left it there. I think I called his mother and his mother's response when I kind of, I was trying to be like tactful. I was like, I don't know how to be like your son's a con artist. But I, I believe her line to me was something along the lines of, oh, he did it again. He did it again. Again. Well, isn't that interesting? To this day, I have no idea what that meant. What that meant. I know there was a time period where he lived in Florida and was in like a really, really like fancy high rise place. So I don't know if he did the same thing there and racked up credit card debt and then just bailed. But I don't know. I don't know if it was another woman. I have no idea. But he did it again. Wow. Wow. He did not take it well when I confronted him on all of this. And of course, tried to say everything that he could to get me to like change my mind and, and whatnot. And made me, again, tried to convince me that like I knew. Tried to be like, I, no, I told you they were in your name and you knew this. Wow. And then again, in my head, I'm going, did I just for like, did I, did I forget this entire, like an entire, and I was like, no, no. Because my entire reaction was complete and total shock. Right and disbelief. So this was like the summer of 2017. And so he's gone. I'm still at the lake trying to figure out what my next freaking move is. At the time I was working just like at a small, like private practice, like trying to build my client base. And I was like, this isn't gonna cut it. This isn't consistent. I need a better like salary job. So I started looking, found a place where I am now. And at the time my friend had been living in the town I moved to and, and she had an extra room, one of my best friends. And I was like, can I move in with you if I get this job? And she's like, of course, absolutely. So I move up there in the fall of 17. By December of 17, he had weaseled his way back in. 
he had convinced me that he had been trying to find a new job. And he had convinced me that because I filed fraud on him, he wasn't passing a background check and I needed to rescind the fraud in order for him to get a better paying job so that he could pay these credit cards down. If he didn't get a better paying job, he was going to be able to help me at all. So I fucking did. And to this day, that credit card has an outstanding balance that's inaccurate because their like accounting department screwed it all up. My other best friend's an accountant and she like did the math for me. And she's like, no, she's like, it's the weirdest thing. They took all the money off when you, you know, filed the fraud. She's like, then you rescinded it. So they put it back on. She's like, then somebody must've been very confused because they took all the money back off and then they put it back on again. And then they put it back on a second time. So it's like twice as much. The grand total is double what I should have ever paid. And I fought, I mean, God, I fought for years and I finally just quit and it hasn't racked up interest and they haven't come after me and I don't get bills. And so I've just been told to never ever get a credit card with that company again. And eventually, <laughs> hopefully maybe it'll just disappear. It doesn't show up on my credit report. Well, that's good. It's the weirdest. It's just out there. Right. But yeah, so he had convinced me to rescind that fraud had weaseled his way back in again with the love bombing and the flowers and I'm so sorry and we can make this right and I promise I just you know I just wanted to give you the life I thought you deserved I fucked up blah 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 that didn't last super long but you did get back together we did I mean yeah we were it was but it was also I think it was easier for him to weasel his way back in because I wasn't home anymore right so you weren't with your folks yeah I wasn't around my parents so he had an easier in and we fought back and forth and things like that during that time. And then I think at one point I ended it again. This is where the story gets real good. <laughs> so he calls and tells me that his dog died. And I loved that fucking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. I, I, I like, I already, I already was like, she, uh-huh. this, this, just, this destroyed her and, uh-huh. and she was putty in his hands. Yep. Uh-huh. Complete and total putty. So I was just like, I'm here for you. I can't even imagine how you feel, blah, blah, blah. And so for several weeks, I would go visit him at his place and all of the dog's things would be there, but the dog wasn't there, obviously. And I was like, why? Right. And I was like, well, why can't you like, isn't it hard for you to look at all these toys? And he's like, no, I can't bring myself to throw them away. And I was like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Until the day I showed up to surprise him and he wouldn't let me in. Because the dog was there. The dog was there. Every single time I had come over, it was a pre-planned event where he would take the dog to his parents. And just, I don't know what the hell he was telling them. You got to watch the dog for a bit. I have something to do tonight. I have no idea. But for several weeks, that dog was not in that house. That apartment. Until the day I showed up to surprise him. That is like the ultimate manipulation, isn't it? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, just wait. I was an idiot. And to this day, that's probably been the biggest thing that I've had to deal with. And I'll get into how that all plays into things. So what do you say when the dog's there? Yeah. I think I was just in shock and just so excited to see the dog that he wasn't dead that I was just like, okay, we'll talk about this, I guess. And same thing. This man was so goddamn good. And I was so wrapped up in him and just convinced mm-hmm. that I still had, I still wanted that fairy tale, right? I had spent all those years and it had been the fairy tale and it, it was going to be the fairy tale. No matter how many times I had to shove the square peg in the round hole, it was going to be a fairy tale. Right. And so I don't, he, something along the lines. And again, looking back, I'm like, you fucking idiot. But he said something along the lines of like, 
I just had to get you back. I didn't know what else to do. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, well, how long are you going to pull this off for? Like, I'm so confused. Yeah. I don't think I've really, I don't really think I ever got an answer for that one, to be honest with you. And then shortly after that, he told me his grandfather passed. He's just killing off everyone, isn't he? Everybody left and right. I'm just waiting for like the terminal illness. Uh Yeah. Right. (laughs) And oh, he told me his dad might have cancer. Yeah. So it's there. Dad might have, yeah, yeah, it's there. Dad might have cancer. Grandpa is dead. Again, things were still kind of rocky between us and our families and everything else. Because I imagine your parents are not thrilled about. Right. Yes. Of course not. With him. Yeah. But yeah, of course not. And I don't even know to this day how much his parents knew. So I was like, do you want me to come to the, like, it's going to be awkward, but I will. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Because there wasn't a funeral. (laughs) Jen's catching on. So again, I'm oblivious and naive and I'm not thinking anything of it because who kills off a fucking grandparent? Nobody's that low, right? That they're going to lie about their grandparent dying. Mm -hmm. Oh no, he doubled down because then we kind of had an off and on again thing where I was like, I just can't do this. It's never going to work. Our parents are never like, how, what are we going to do? Run away and never speak to anybody again? Like this isn't going to work. Then he told me grandma died, that she was just so distraught over losing her husband that, you know, six months later, five months, I don't know how long it was. She died. This is where I finally started to fucking get a clue. So I Googled grandma did not die. Grandma, I believe to this day is still alive. He said grandpa died when grandma died. And he oh, said grandma God. died. So grandpa, he killed grandpa off six months prematurely is really what happened. He, he wasted wow. that. Ex- he wasted that excuse. He used it right. a little too soon. Right. And then when so grandpa then, actually died, he's like, oh, now I've got to tell her someone else dies because I've got to go to this funeral now. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was so like, I, I remember again, I didn't go to the funeral. He wanted to go to a bar afterwards by his place. And I was like, I'll meet you there. Absolutely. That's fine. You want to get drunk and cry over grandma? Yeah. This has been a really shitty year for you. Like, duh. Yeah. And so I, I showed up at right after the funeral and he was so goddamn good. Like never once slipped up and said, grandpa continuously said it was grandma's funeral was, I mean, wasted, wasted. And not once did he slip up and just thanked me profusely and blah, 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 blah. And I forget exactly. Like it was a couple of days after that, that I was like, I just, something doesn't feel right. right. He wouldn't let me come to the funeral. Just something's wrong. And so it was a couple of days after that that I Googled. And I was like, oh my fucking God. And you found the obit. Mm-hmm. For grandpa. Yeah. For grandpa. Mm-hmm. With the date that he said grandma died. Oh my God. I never even confronted him about it. I think it was maybe a week or so later, he told me he'd met somebody else and he was done with me. Never wanted to see me again. I think he had probably figured out that I would put two and two together. Right. Right. He was going to end things before you did. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And not give you the chance to. Yeah. Yeah. He emailed me once shortly after that and told me, quote unquote, she's out of town. If you want to come over, they're married and have a kid now. I wish that the audience could see how you said that. (laughs) And Jen and I both were like, just jaws agape, Uh deer in headlights. Like he said, what to you? What's interesting is that you said he's still with this woman and that they have a child together. And I'd be interested in knowing a whole lot of things. Like, (laughs) what does she know about you? How many credit cards does he have in her name without her knowledge? I'm sure his baby has credit cards, has credit cards. 
that was my first when I found out they were pregnant was how soon until he gets a credit card in that kid's name. The reason I found out this is the other fucked up part. So the best friend that I had lived with, right, when I first moved up to where I live now, they were friends. You know, if I was working late, they'd go play pool or like hang or whatever. Probably a year after all of this kind of has happened and I, you know, slowly but surely picked up the pieces to myself and she tells me that she got a friend request from him on Facebook. That's weird. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, if you want to accept it, you can accept it. Like, I don't know. I'm, this is, I have no, I no idea why this makes no sense. <laughs> you you right? do what you want to do about yeah. that. He's yeah. literally, he's blocked me on every single thing imaginable. She accepts two days after she accepts the friend request. He posts the ultrasound photos announcing the pregnancy. Yeah. He knew that it was going to get yeah. back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it was like a week or two after the ultrasound came out that, you know, he proposed to her. That's a lot. Yeah. So I think it was probably like early 2019. Like it all went down in summer of 16. Mm -hmm. And by the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, that was like the whole like dog, grandma, grandpa saga was like a whole nother like year and a half on and off. Right. Where mm-hmm. I try to get away and he'd pull me back in. It's very, like when you're in it, you can't see it. No. No. But you said quite a few times that now that you kind of understand more about narcissistic relationships, that maybe there's red flags that were there. They were all over the place. Besides your parents, did your friends have any suspicions about him? No. Really? No. And that's the, that's the fucked up part. That's how good he was. Like, even I was talking to my friend about it recently because she knew I was doing this. And she's like, the thing is, is like, she's like, he was so goddamn good. I think he fooled himself. She's like, none of us She's like, none of us ever had any idea. She's like the way he presented himself, carried himself, talked to his charismatic. Like, she's like, I never would have known. And then, like I said, my other best friend, you know, that went and hung out, played pool with him. Like, you know, they were buddies. And she just thought he was super cool. And she's like, even if you two weren't together, he and I would totally have been friends. He was just that good. Mm-hmm. He definitely believed his own story. Oh, yeah. Because you can't be that good if you don't, right? So just thinking financially, mm-hmm. when, when you rescinded this fraud stuff, how did that impact your life? Like, how could you? Yeah. So, because I know you now own where you live, right? I, I bought a condo. Yeah, I think it was nine to twelve months after everything like ended. Ended. I, I was able to to get a condo because during those years that we were doing the thing and the dogs and everybody was dying, he was <laughs> giving me some money to pay off these cards. Okay, he was not a lot, not a lot at all. I paid off the three months worth of rent. Mm-hmm. I paid off all the utility bills. And then the credit cards he helped me with, obviously minus the big one that, you know, got duplicated and all screwed up, which by the way, that one had my engagement ring on it. He paid for my engagement ring with the credit card he opened fraudulently in my name. Oh God. All class, this guy. Yeah. Wow. Pawned the ring. My uncle has a pawn shop. Pawned the ring. Put that on the card. Yeah. But you don't want the ring anymore, right. I imagine. So yeah. might as well put it to good use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So during all of that time, things had kind of been paid down. And I will say I was very, very fortunate. My father did a lot of things even during my childhood and when I was little to kind of set me up. And like, I I had a decent credit score just because my dad had had kind of opened a card or put me on a card like when I was like an infant. So here I was at 27 years old and I had a 27 year long credit history. Credit history, okay. And it was a card my dad barely used and he did it with all of my siblings. And it was just like, that was how he did it in his mind to kind of mm-hmm. set us up. So like, mm-hmm. I was very, very fortunate and I am grateful for that. And I know that had I not been in that type of situation financially, shit could have been a lot uglier. Yeah. Shit could have been a lot, lot uglier. And then, like I said, when I, I was living with my best friend, we were living in, you know, a really old building, not the greatest area of town, not the worst area at all, but like paying pennies, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had gotten this new job and I just saved every single penny I could. Right. And paid off his and debt. Mm-hmm. Paid off his debt, saved every little bit I could, and then was able to buy my condo with my own money for the down payment. One of the things that I'm thinking about, as shocking as your story is, as you're telling it and to listen to it, like Jen and I both have our jaws wide open and it is shocking. And yet I'm not naive enough to think that you're the only woman that this has ever happened to. Right. Like, Mm -mm. No. And I've, I've looked it up before. I had no idea. I truly did. I mean, we all know, right. I was a counselor. There's emotional abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's physical abuse, there's neglect, right? Financial abuse is a thing. Yeah. And I hadn't really put that together until I started looking into it. And I mean, there were women that married for years, right? Married for years and years and years and years. Husbands are crazy gamblers and they're, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So to this day, anytime I start going down that path of like, I didn't get my fairy tale. Mm -hmm. My therapist has this thing where she'll tell me like, just because it could have been different doesn't mean it would have been better. Right. And I I have to repeat that to myself from time to time because it's like, you're right. Like I, God only knows where I'd be at this point. Yeah. If the marriage and everything else had happened. What if you got your fairy tale destination wedding? Then what? Right. What if you'd had children with him? Yeah. That he was opening up credit cards in their names. Opening credit cards in their names. Yeah. And maxing them out. Yeah. Racking up more debt in my own, my name. You know what I mean? It should be a lifetime movie. I mean, yeah. And it It could be. So you were able to like get yourself out of the finances of it all. But, but Mm -hmm. beyond like, that's a really practical and like logical, there are steps for Mm -hmm. that. But obviously, you know, your trust was completely taken advantage of. Yeah. Oh no, the emotional damage yeah. that this caused. I mean, I'm still working through it. I'm still to this day working through it. Yeah. It took me a long time to really like actually date somebody. And when I did, none of them lasted very long. A couple months here, a couple months there. And I was just always like, I got to get out before shit hits the fan. I got to get out before whatever whatever happens before they have any opportunity to whatever yeah any red any red flag I saw it was like nope gotta go that's it Mm -hmm. I was just gonna ask like how this impacted you like emotionally or psychologically because yes there's that financial impact but there was also that trust that you had Mm -hmm. 
and you were vulnerable with him. I imagine you were together for mm-hmm. nine years. That is not an insignificant amount of time to be in a relationship. Yeah. And then to find out that there were things you didn't know. Mm-hmm. There's probably things I don't know still to this day that yeah. happened or he did, honestly. I wish I could say that finding out that he was, you know, married and having a baby didn't hurt me as much as it did, but it definitely did. And I, and I think it was more... More of the fact that it was like how I'm so in a million pieces, right? I'm still trying Mm -hmm. to pick myself up and put myself back together and work through this dumpster fire that you created, yet you're off having your happily ever after with the next person you got together with. And I think that's what makes it so hard trying to move on and work past dating a narcissist is because they, they can do that. There were no real feelings involved, so they can move on and be happy. I was just going to say this is his happily ever after, but the fact of the matter is he can't be happy and and there is no like ever after. And the reality is that this probably won't last either. And it's just he got your happily ever after, Mm -hmm. what you had wanted out of it. That's the other part. He also, he had told me for years he was sterile some sporting. Of course he did. He was sterile constantly. Like I'd marry you tomorrow. If I could, I'd marry you tomorrow. If I could. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like it, it took me, it took me a while to put the pieces together, but I'm like, she got knocked up so goddamn fast. Super sterile. <laughs> it didn't work. Your plan didn't work. You wanted to trap me with you so that you could continue to use me because we'd have a baby, but I never went off the pill. He found somebody, I guess, that was, I don't know, ready to have a baby or, or not dumb enough it, to believe or, that he was yeah. sterile and now it's their miracle child. I don't know. But in my head, I'm like, no, no, you knew you weren't sterile. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So he would tell you he was sterile. So you would go off the pill so that, mm-hmm. oh my God. Cause then you're locked in. Yep. You're tied. And he has a permanent attachment. He can just siphon from. Oh, you dodged that bullet. (laughs) Shit. So it's been a lot of therapy. It's been a lot Mm. of processing things. And and I think the hardest part was right. I was a grad school counseling therapist. Like I should know the signs of narcissistic abuse. I should know this. I should have known better. I should have seen this. I can't believe I let it go on for so long. I mean, I have those thoughts all the time. At the same time, I think that will help you, like it can help you understand sometimes your clients and the decisions that they make or, right? Like, because you can see how these things Mm -hmm. happen and you can receive Mm -hmm. that without necessarily judging them, right? right? There's the whole statistic or whatever it is that says it takes a woman or, uh, you know, somebody that's abused seven times to leave their abuser, you know, about seven times on average to leave their abuser for physical abuse. That's true for anything. I I, absolutely 110%. Mm -hmm. Because for almost the entire relationship, everything was perfect. And then I got that ring on my finger and it switched on a dime. Mm -hmm. Because I wonder if he felt like now you had the ring, like, you were locked in, mm-hmm. in the same way that you would have been if you had a child with him. Yeah, he had locked it down. It's reminding me of the episode with, oh my God, I can't remember her name now, but the second she moved in, the physical abuse started. Chelsea, we did record an episode with a woman 
and it was physical abuse and it started right after she moved in and she moved in with him into like like his neighborhood like his community and his small town so she's kind of stuck and alone and isolated yeah I hate to say it's textbook because I feel like that minimizes what your experience was to be like, Oh yeah, there's like a thousand stories like this, but a hundred percent. And yet there was, you know, the love bombing where he's just showering you with affection and the words of affirmation that he was giving you and the gaslighting, like you're going to believe them over me. Oh, well, I told you about Mm -hmm. these credit cards, right? You knew this. And trying to make you doubt yourself. Right. Questioning my own reality. That eats away at a person. Yeah. Right? Like those little seeds of doubt over time. And I mean, it took him nine years to get to where it got, right? It wasn't just overnight. Well, I just think of like when you look at a picture like up here, like close up, like I'm holding my hand right up to my face and you can't really see what it is until you pull it all the way out. And when you're in it, you can't get that macro look on something, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's reminding me of a story that I think we had to hire a sleep doula to help me get my eldest to sleep because he was a horrible sleeper. And... And she shared a story of a pediatrician who literally her and her husband would do four-hour shifts bouncing on a yoga ball to get their kid to stop crying. And this is a pediatrician who should know what to do. And, like, I I reference that often Mm -hmm. because just because you know how to guide someone else through something doesn't mean that you can do it for yourself when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. and it feels like it's the same it's funny you said that because I did I just saw a TikTok recently that I sent to a couple friends that know the whole story and I was like oh my god because it was basically like a, a therapist on TikTok being like we are the worst when it comes to getting out of abusive relationships because we'll gaslight ourselves and being rationalizing and oh they must have had a terrible upbringing or something must have happened or you know we'll make every and I was like oh my god that's exactly what I did mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did. And I think therapists in general have to have like an immense capacity for empathy, right? Yeah. And probably more so than like your stereotypical woman, they feel like they can heal the person or help the person, right? Oh, totally. I was just thinking about your story and I want to ask, then you found out that the grandma hadn't died and you decided not to confront him. Why do you think you made that decision? I wish I could tell you it was that like everything clicked and I was just like, I know confronting is not going to solve anything, which I think there was a part of me that did know that. But I think the other part of it too was like, how long can I hold on to this nugget of information? Because I never, ever had the upper hand in that relationship. Okay. So how long can I hold on to this little nugget? And then like drop the bomb on him and be like, ha ha, then you might have a little bit of leverage over him. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I just think about, it, I'm like, why didn't she say anything? Because you must've just been floored as you were all the other times, but you had confronted him on other stuff. Yeah. I think I had immediately poured myself a drink and called my best friend. And I was like, you're not going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this there's, it's a, my life's a reality show. Hooray for the best friend that you can just call up and be like, oh my God. You won't believe what I just found out. 
and they're not going to tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? We all yeah. need those people because you said they had no suspicion. So I guess they were all just as surprised as you were when this all came out. Yeah. After you had the intervention, you called the police, you did all of the things. And then like, he kind of weaseled his way back. Like, what was your relationship like with your parents in this period? Not good. Yeah. At all. It was bad. It was even harder to like when I was going through it, like at the very, very beginning, right? Because they were so angry and I was just trying to process my grief and my emotions of all of this. And they're so Mm -hmm. angry that I finally had to sit them down and be like, look, I get it you're angry. And they were out a lot of money too, because we had put down payments on a lot of things for the wedding. So like, I was like, you're, you have every right to be angry, but like, I'm hurting. Yeah. And you yelling at me about all of this doesn't help healthy. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to him, it just really like we, it's not, I wouldn't say we weren't talking, but like, it definitely was strained. I mean, I, I imagine it would put a distance between you and them because if it were me, I might have started out by like secretly dating him (laughs) and not really telling anybody. And like I said, it was a lot easier to do that when it was just my best friend living with me. And even she was blown over by him because even he, you know, he was like, no, we're going to fix this. And it was at that point, just the money. Exactly. It was just the money. Mm -hmm. And it was just that he had a bad couple of months. And if you could just please rescind this fraud, he's Mm going to fix everything. He's going to get a good job. Things are going to go back to the way that they were before. You're going to get your fairy tale. Exactly. It is just the perfect excuse. Uh The perfect way to reel you back in to get you Uh to drop those charges is what he's offering you. Because Of course, it would be nicer to think that he just had a bad couple of months and he still loves you and you're still Mm going to get your fairy tale and everything's going to be fixed and it's all going to go away. We were planning on getting married. So sickness and health, richer or poorer, right? Right. This will make us stronger as a couple. (laughs) And then it just kept snowballing and a year or two went by and I was just like, where the fuck am I? Do you mention that there was stuff that you probably don't know? And is there a point where you just can accept that? Like, have you accepted that there's just, maybe you're never going to know everything or is that something you struggle with? I think I've accepted that I'm not going to know everything. And you can be okay with that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because at this point, you know, I'm not exactly completely healed, but I've definitely come far enough in my healing journey that if I were to find something else out now, like, I don't know what it would, depending on what it is. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know what it would do to me. Right. I don't know how much it would derail me to find out more. But you're okay with not. Uh, Yeah. I'd rather just not know at this point. Yeah. And having him completely cut out of your life is probably good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he still wanted you to know about the baby. He sure did. Wanted to make sure I knew he was moving on and having the good life. Mm-hmm. What would you hope that people listening would take away from hearing your story? This is going to be tough. It, number one, don't ignore the freaking red flags and the love bombing and the gaslighting and everything else. Take that as a very obvious indicator and run run as fast as you can in the opposite direction. But further than that, for people that are maybe in a similar situation or end up in a similar situation and don't run, because I get that too, forgive yourself. Because that's still something that I'm having a really hard time with. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiving myself for all of this and for putting myself, my family, everyone else through it for as many years as I did. 
Mm -hmm. Because it really, like, this is his fault. Uh Uh-huh. Logically, my brain knows (laughs) that, but there's a piece of me that's like, but at at what point did you just keep going back and you're just the idiot and it's kind of your fault now too? Like there's that, that other side of my brain that does that. Right. Yeah. I believe that. Cause it's so easy for me to, on the outside to listen to this mm-hmm. and be like, of course, this isn't your fault. Like he manipulated you. You were being financially abused. Like this was an unhealthy relationship. He's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of this is your fault, but it's easy for me to say that. Right. Right. As an outsider. I'm just sitting here thinking like, it takes a lot of confidence in yourself and your abilities and who you are to not fall prey to someone gaslighting you. Mm-hmm. So how, like what, I mean, we're doing so many fucking things wrong as a society, but like, what are we doing wrong that, and it's not to say that women don't do this to men and I'm not right. saying that, and I won't pretend I know what the statistics are, but the overwhelming majority of stories that are of this ilk that you hear are men doing it to women. Mm-hmm. So what, how can we better, we need to better build up women mm-hmm. to have faith and belief in their confidence and confidence in their abilities and to be strong enough to not let someone do this mm-hmm. to them for so long, right? The first thing that came to my mind when you're like, what are we doing wrong as a society? The first thing that came to my mind was Disney. Yeah. That was uh-huh. the first thing that came to my mind. Was like tales. the fairy tale romance. Mm-hmm. And it's not yes. just Disney. I'm throwing out Disney, but like the fairy tale romance is so prevalent in the media that we consume and we all want it. We're told that we're supposed to want that. Like that's yeah. the well, heterosexual like, agenda, right? Jen? Yeah. Yes. Straight agenda. <laughs> it's the straight agenda. And it goes back to this idea. And what that perpetuates is this idea that a woman's value is only in relation to a uh-huh. man. We need to create a better internal sense of Mm self-worth it's such an external thing not even just in relationships but just everybody value it's it's external right what what car you drive what kind of house you have what designer clothes you're wearing it's all this external validation and if we could figure out a way to shift it to be more internal and what what's just inherently something you should be proud of yourself for and further looking back, I definitely grew up in one of those like small suburban fucking towns where it was like, you know, girl falls in love with, but like, it was just completely That's perpetuated yeah. through all, everything. Yeah. Yeah. High school sweethearts and the romantic fairy tales and. An ideal that has been perpetuated through generations. Yeah. yeah. So presumably it would take generations to really make an impact in that. Yeah. But we have to actually want to and try to, right? Right. As a whole. It feels a little bit bleak. I didn't mean to bring it there. But. (laughs) I mean, I think women are standing in their power a little bit more these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially down here in whatever the hell, I don't know, year we reverted back to in America. I mean, it's a process, right? It's bringing it to this grander idea of like changing societal norms, which, you know. Mm is not an easy undertaking. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to chat yeah. with us. Thank you guys. 
Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.